0: Empire Podcast this week. Michael Sheen drops by and I don't make a single furniture polish related pun. That's my pledge to you. Plus, Rachel Fice, Rachel Fice, drops by to talk my cousin Rachel. All that unusual news and nonsense on the movie podcast. I would like to congratulate Senator Palpatine on his victory over Chancellor Falorum in the recent elections. You know, trust me, that guy has our best interests at heart. Uh, Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the Empire podcast. This week I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. First up, this is rather weird, because this week on Twitter, uh, a a Twitter user called Mindy Moo asked, when is Dan Jolin doing an Empire podcast? I still crack up at his giant ant comment from the Ant-Man spoiler special. And lo and behold, as if by magic, he honestly didn't fix it like this. Here he is, Dan Jolin.
1: Hello. Hello. Well, Chris doesn't think he fixed it like this, but uh, I'm here for you, Mindy. (laughs) For you and nobody else. There we go, I'm, there we go. No, that was maybe a bit, no. <laughs> I don't remember the giant ant comment, but I'm sure it was very funny, Dan. I'm sure it was very funny. I think it was something to do with a dog-sized ant and, and how it was supposed to be cute and how, in reality, a dog-sized ant would be hideous and terrifying. <laughs> okay, all right, good, 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 good. Uh, last but not least on the
0: podcast is a, one of the most powerful ladies I know. How powerful is she? She could take on the alien queen without a power loader. That's how powerful. It's our editor-in-chief... Terry White Bow before her you dogs
2: Hi Chris <laughs> <laughs> Don't sound very powerful I'm, I feel like I'm only the most powerful woman in the room because H- Helen O'Hara is in fact not here
0: That's not true If Helen were here you would still be the most powerful woman in the room
2: In my bit of the room
0: <laughs> in, your, in a specific <laughs> segment of the room uh, No But we would never want to see you fight <laughs> Oh, God. oh. Who would you oh be- God Who would you bet on Chris? Sorry I'm taking a, a long drink of water Okay <laughs>
2: Yeah, can we just say, Dan, yeah. you are you are not full-time employed by me anymore, where Chris is. So I feel like you've got uh. an unfair advantage in this discussion.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's give you the first on-air firing. This would be brilliant.
2: That would be, be great. But, you know, I'd
0: love it. <laughs> Terry, would you, you would win. Do? But then here's the thing, right? You are not the stereotype in any way, but you are from the north of England. Yes. Right? So you got a bit of scrap about you. From okay. a council
2: estate yeah, in absolutely. the north of England. day and all that. Judd day.
0: Return of the Joday. day. <laughs> and... <laughs> Hello, Helen. La-
2: <laughs> <laughs> Helen
0: Helen is you know she's from my neck of the woods you know a bit further away than, than you know where I, I grew up but she's Northern Irish so she's got something about her as well mm. although I'd say Helen is perhaps more uh, you know she's a uh, trained barrister and maybe she's someone who would war with words, or as I can imagine you just getting a coat hanger, a metal coat hanger, and unspooling it and then just having a go.
2: Yeah, you see, I would start with words and then when I sensed that, that Helen was trouncing me, I'd just <laughs> probably grab the nearest bottle or mm. yeah, coat hanger or or whatever was um whatever was mm. to hand really, Chris. Do-
1: door knobs in a pillowcase? Door
2: knobs in a pillowcase, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, yeah snooker or balls in a sock. snooker balls in a sock. <laughs> Anytime I get to do a Ray Winston is good by me so. I'm the daddy now yells <laughs> daddy. Terry Mummy Daddy mummy daddy I'm the mummy
0: daddy. daddy now <laughs> <laughs> as, I, as I slowly soil myself in the corner um, of course this is, this is not going to happen but should for example Terry and Helen face off mm-hmm. in public there's a I'm trying to think of when the best time for that to happen might be it might be Saturday September 16th when we are doing our live podcast at the London Podcast Festival which is an amazing uh, event that takes place in September over the weekend or that weekend in September it's at King's Place in London and it brings together some amazing podcasters from around the world my dad wrote a porno he's going to be doing an event the Guardians Football Weekly will be doing an event John Hodgman with over a million Twitter listeners will be doing an event and we are uh, weirdly enough closing the Saturday night and you can book tickets right now now if you go to the, the King's Place website uh, I should have a URL but I'm not that slick or prepared uh, but go to the, the uh, Kings Place website and you can book tickets and you can book uh, a multiple pass for more than one uh, ticket for more, uh, more than one event and therefore you can get a discount but come and see us come and see us Saturday September 16th Terry and Helen will fight <laughs> there you go <laughs> that is easy. a promise that is my promise that's to
2: you. loaded into the ticket price <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's sorted it's happening it's real uh, alright should we have a question yeah. Uh, this is from Matthew Dashper Hughes. Fire uh, uh, email. It's a fairly long question about how uh, a bunch of cinemas showed One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest recently to celebrate Jack Nicholson's 80th birthday, and they have a cinema club in his small town where you have to answer two interrelated questions: What's the one film you've never seen on the big screen that you really want to see on the big screen, and what's the one film you think everyone has to see at least once? So, okay, let's take those. Let's take those both. What's the one film you've never seen on the big screen that you really want to see? And what's the one film you think everyone has to see at least once? Terry.
2: So the film I haven't seen on the big screen that I'd like to see is Rocky 2. Okay. I hate to take it back to the Rocky franchise (laughs) yet again. But I've seen uh, the Rocky. I first watched Rocky on VHS um, in a little room above the pub my mum used to work in. And when she was working behind the bar, me and my brother would sit and watch the Rocky films over and over and over again um, on a tiny little telly. And as I've got older, the tellies have grown bigger, but for some reason, (laughs) I've never seen any of the Rocky franchise at the pictures. Really? At any of them apart from Creed, okay, apart from Creed. Okay. So I should clarify: Rocky, <laughs> Rocky, Rocky Two, II, Rocky Three, Rocky Four, Rocky Five doesn't exist. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, or Rocky Balboa. I haven't seen any of them on the cinema screen. I've only seen Creed. But uh-huh. I think Rocky Two, and uh-huh. anybody who's heard me on the podcast before will know that I have strong feelings about the Rocky franchise. But the boxing coordination in Rocky Two specifically is astonishing, and. I think watching that massive up close, hearing every punch land would be an experience that I would really love. Have either of you guys seen it? Yeah, the pictures.
0: Not the pictures, but oh, I, no. uh,
2: not ever, Dan.
0: So, Rocky Rocky you may not have heard
2: of this little film called Rocky.
0: Is that the Two? one where he does the fights? <laughs> <laughs> yes. In yeah. that case, I have seen it. Uh, I have seen Rocky Five at the pictures. Uh, I, I saw it at the Ivy Cinema in Banbridge, Northern Ireland. Uh, I saw Rocky Balboa here whenever I was working at Empire and uh, Creed a uh, couple of times, uh, but I've never seen. Rocky 4 is probably the one I gravitate most mm. towards. That's the one that uh, I watched most on VHS when I
1: came out and uh, it 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 speaks to me on a number of levels. That most was my terrible. first that was my first cinematic Rocky, Rocky 4. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the bit at the end where all the Soviet guys all stood up Stand and applauded up. Mm. him. Oh, man, that was amazing.
2: Was it? I mean, I, I'm not even going to say it's a metaphor for the Cold War because it was, you know, was... <laughs> if days can come together and we... This is Italian-American, by the way, <laughs> And we can come together, we can all come together. But is it amazing? Is it... But I think about... I think that was very good. Okay. The thing about Rocky Four uh, at the big screen is, I imagine the montages, because obviously Rocky IV is essentially mm. one long montage, and obviously after the death of Apollo Creed... Um, it pretty much goes from um, No Easy Way Out, which yeah. is when he's grieving, straight into pretty much the training montage, which is Hearts on Fire. Mm-hmm. That is pretty much back to back. I imagine on a big screen that that kind of 10 minutes is... <laughs> not, as good, not as good
1: as the James Brown bit at the beginning.
2: Oh, yeah, living, in, living America. in America.
1: The whole, the whole he's there on stage performing. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like being at a James Brown concert.
2: Yeah, so that, that would be my answer on that. And in terms of a film that. What was the other part of the question? A film that you think. A film you think everyone
0: should see on the big screen? Um, Rocky 2, Rocky
2: 3. <laughs> yeah, so as I was just saying, no, uh, Kill Bill and Kill Bill Volume 2, actually. Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2, I think, is made for the <clears throat> cinema screen. Mm. I think. Um, in terms of the fight scenes, in terms of the use of anime, the use of colour, the use of music. I mean, it is such a assault on the senses And I think the impact of those films is actually really lost when you watch it on the small screen. And when you go and you see it at the cinema and you fully kind of immerse yourself in it, I think it's a completely different experience having that at the pictures.
0: So you think it's you would go for more of a visual, crowd-pleasing... Uh, exercise and perhaps something that is very arthousey like two thousand and one seventy millimeter which I saw years ago. I'm not Phil
2: Decemblian.
0: Bored of my tits. <laughs> I'm
2: not Phil <laughs> am I? I am about You're not No, I'm not. You see I for me, the cinema is is it It's for me when I really want to immerse myself in a film, there is nothing like the lights going down Mm. and that kind of full-bodied, very visceral experience you have in the cinema. So for me, the louder, the brighter, the, um, you know, more OTT, uh, the better. So that's what I want. And that's my favourite cinema-going experiences are very much that.
1: Would you want Dan with you?
2: Always. Dan
1: enhances every cinematic experience. And, and 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 that's because what I do is I go to the loo about three times, <laughs> and then I come back in, and then I say, "What did I miss? Yeah, what did I miss?" And, and it makes you feel involved. It does, yeah, yeah. yeah. Except when I have to chaperone you to the toilet because you're, you know, you get a bit older, down, aren't you? you? Need to go a little bit more. Thanks, Chris. I need to be shown where it, it is. Yeah. It's all right, I'll deal with it. I've got ways to deal with it. All right.
2: How many so Dan, times did you go the other day during the... Twice. Uh, yeah, we were at a screening together, Dan and I, <laughs> and I think we managed to get 25 minutes into the film before I saw you pop up and off you trotted.
1: But It is an early morning screening and I just yeah. had a coffee. Have you thought about... I'm. mean We may be beating,
0: you know, getting off the beaten path here, but have you thought about bringing a catheter with you and just... I've never met her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just getting through the movie. Just ex- experiencing the, you, the film. You can get grown-up nappies. I've been told. You can. Yeah, I okay. asked for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, so... Hello. Dan. Hello. I'm well, going sh- to shock you, Chris. Can I just shock you? I'm gonna I sh- like red
3: wine.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I don't think I've seen any of my favouritest ever films in the world at the cinema. Okay, Brazil? Never seen it at the cinema. Planet of the Brazil? Never seen it at the, at the Brazilian bar. <laughs> <laughs> Brazil of the Apes. Never seen that the cinema. What else do you like? Uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Fifty Shades of Grey. Never seen it at the cinema. Really? Aliens. Never seen it at the cinema. I've never seen Aliens at the cinema. Should we go? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ooh. Never seen it that's at exciting. the cinema. Yeah. Matter of fact, I, I think you can get most of the way through my top ten. Goodfellas. <gasps> never seen it at the cinema.
2: Goodfellas played Screen on the Green in London, in mm. his, London's Islington recently. Yeah.
1: No, I was was, was was talking about this earlier. to James Dyer, you know, you know James Dyer. Yes, Uh, James Dyer. Yeah,
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, tall, bald, Cecilius. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) He's like Crichton and Rimmer combined from from Red Dwarf. Anyway, um, don't you think? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I was talking to him earlier, and uh, I was saying that it's kind of like we're the generation that discovered all our favourite films of VHS, aren't we, really?
3: Mm.
1: You know, we, 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 where we, we, we came of age cinematically. I'm you know. so young. Um, <laughs> not VHS. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so it was kind of like everything was, was video, 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 and it was all you got down to video shop and you rewatch things with your friends in front rooms. Mm-hmm. And, and then and it was almost like you kind of graduated onto cinema from that in a weird way yeah. so yeah all the films that I love that I discovered for the first time uh, oh Apocalypse Now I have seen on the big screen though thanks to the redux oh so are the redux but not the original not version. the original no and I would say that Apocalypse Now is a film you do have to see on the big screen does, like Mrs. Absolutely. Brown's boys to movie not like that at all okay. Uh, okay the exact opposite of that you're thinking the exact opposite in fact
0: alright sorry yeah,
1: yeah the other end of the spectrum <laughs> uh, so yeah I'm going to say Apocalypse Now would be my one I think that you have to see redux or original um, you know, when those helicopter blade noises come in at the beginning, you've yeah, yeah. got them going around the cinema, going around your head. Oh, that's nice. That's Shit. nice. Shit. I'm in see- Saigon. I'm still in Saigon. <laughs> you
0: done? I've seen some of my, uh, my favourite uh, movies on the big screen. It's great. It's fantastic. You, know, you see new things. Things are bigger. For, for example, I saw uh, Alien recently. It was a slightly mm. pink 70 mil print at the Picturehouse Central. I had no idea Sigourney Weaver was at all. It's mad. Absolutely mad. No, she mad. just projected big. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. In reality, she's four foot two. <laughs> All right, there you go. Uh, I've seen Evil Dead 2 in the big screen. That was a lot of fun, although I think it was just a DVD that they projected on the screen, but hey ho, what can you do? Um, I don't know. I think the answer to this, I've got one answer to both. Uh, the film that, you know, I haven't seen the big screen. Uh, uh, is the film that you should also see and it's obviously The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant I think everyone should go and see that uh, at their earliest convenience Right, uh, if you want to have your question read out in the Empire Podcast uh, you can do so via a number of ways you can uh, tweet us where we're at Empire Magazine use the hashtag Empire Podcast you can Facebook us where we're at Empire Magazine as well and you can email us podcast at empireonline.com it's all very exciting Speaking of exciting, time now for our first guest. Uh, Michael Sheen is one of our finest actors, as you might expect, given that he heralds from Port Talbot in uh, Wales, which is home of Tony Hopkins and Richard Burton, who oh, are the same person, apparently. Uh, his new movie, so, Norman... Rob Brydon? Rob Brydon! <laughs> apparently he comes from there as well. Yeah, <laughs> who knew? He does. Who knew? He really does. Rob
1: Brydon! Yeah. Oh. His new movie...
0: Michael Sheen's new movie, Norman, The Moderate Rise and Tragic Fall of a New York Fixer, uh, which probably has a year's longest title, is out today, in which he co-stars with one Richard Gere. uh, And he, Michael Sheen that is not Richard Gere, popped into our pod booth this week, fresh from completing filming on Gareth Evans' new movie, Apostle. Guess where? Port Talbot in Wales. What are the odds? Uh, And we added about all sorts of stuff, from that to Stephen King to acting, Richard Gere, tons of... That. I can't remember what we talked about. It was really, really good. Enjoy it. Here's Michael Sheen. We're delighted to be joined on the upper podcast by the great Michael Sheen. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Actually, glad, glad to have you here. Uh, you've just finished filming on your home turf.
4: Yeah. I've spent the last few months doing a film in Port Talbot, my hometown. How was that? It was great. Yeah. We- weird. <laughs> it was great. I did a... I've, I have worked in... Hotel, but before I did uh a, a theatre project there about six years ago now called The Passion, mm-hmm. um so so it's not completely new, you know. Sort of doing my day job
2: in my yeah. hometown,
4: but uh, I've never filmed there before like this. So you know, going to have wardrobe calls and makeup and stuff in at home was just weird, <laughs> but beautiful. I mean, we filmed in places that were that I that I knew about, but I'd never really gone to that much and. Uh, it was a revelation. Yeah. Amazing places around there to to, to film in. Yeah, beautiful. So it was great.
0: It's kind of strange. You can grow up in a place and not really know it. Mm. I find. Yeah, there's always these little hidden nooks and crannies that you maybe haven't explored.
4: Yeah, I always had a sort of siege mentality when I was living in Patalba. I just never went anywhere else really. Oh, really? And okay. So just outside Patalba are all these amazing, beautiful landscapes and and weird places. And the film is uh, a film called Apostle. That, yeah. Uh, Gareth Evans has written and directed, and uh, so it's it's got this sort of strange combination of qualities mm. as uh, as uh, he is a fan of coming from sort of Asian cinema. Yes, of course. He's got this new hybrid now, Asian Welsh cinema <laughs> that we're going to be doing. Uh, so there's all these odd things that you know in Western film you don't see going together as much. Yeah, and that was uh, that was part of what I love. So you know, taking lots of very what could be very beautiful places to film in, and then messing with them. Amazing, amazing. Yeah.
0: So, did you stay at uh, the, the, the Sheen family home? Did you?
4: Uh... Uh, well, my mum is recovering from a hip replacement operation. Oh. So, she's kicked dad out of bed. Okay. Not literally, because she can't because of her hip, <laughs> um, but he's sleeping in my room. And so, I had to go and stay in a hotel. Oh, uh, there you go! Yeah. So hotel living a life up. in in uh, in Living the vida loca, it's yeah.
0: <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Um, yeah, as we were just saying beforehand, I was actually meant to be uh, visiting you guys last week, mm-hmm. and this damned cold that you can hear has uh, stopped me in my tracks. Yeah. But uh, uh, what can you say at this point about Apostle? Because I think a lot of people hear Gareth Evans' name and they they think bloody, they think violence, they think bloody violence. Uh, and I imagine there will be that, but this feels like it's something new
4: as well. It's bloody violence plus religion. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, what I like when I read the script, I, I read. Really, I mean, I've been sort of keeping an eye on Gareth, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'd when the first raid film came out, um, you know, I was reading a review of it or something, and then when it said. Gareth Evans, director from Hirwine. I was like, "Hang on, what? <laughs> uh, that doesn't work." Um, uh, and so, so, you know, and uh, I thought the raid was fantastic, and um, and so I've been, you know, very interested in what he's been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, when I got sent this script, which is very different from the raid um, or the raid two, uh, it's set in 1905. Uh, it's about um, a cult who. Uh, Dan Stevens' character has to rescue his sister from, and I uh, I play the cult leader, and there's all kinds of weird stuff going on. So the the cult is set up on this island off the coast of Britain. Yeah, they don't really know where. Um, and uh, once uh, Dan comes over, then it all gets a bit wicker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited. Yeah, I can't wait to see. So it. and it is you know he's I think Gareth has brought a kind of. A sort of Asian cinema yeah. sensibility to it in some ways. So the uh, so there are all these elements that you don't normally see go together in a in a British certainly in a British film, um, and uh, and they're all in there. And then and you know particularly in the kind of action sequences you can see. The uh, the influence of, uh, of of the other films that he's done, so it's really exciting. I saw we just had a rap party the end of last week, and you know they do a sort of sizzle reel of stuff that they put together. Because that's the other thing, Gareth edits as he's going mm-hmm. along, which mm-hmm. is extraordinary. Um, so uh, so we saw all these things, and suddenly he kind of went, oh, it makes sense now. Oh, <laughs> okay. So it was, it was great, and they they built this whole village in the local park in, yes. in Margam Park. Um, uh, which was incredibly exciting. I mean, I would have happily lived in one of the houses that they built. Um, but uh, that's not possible. Rather than the hotel. Rather than the hotel, yeah. I would have quite happy. It would have been a bit cold. But it would Living nice. it up, yeah. demanding room service. But it was weird to be fil- filming these, these sequences um, with literally just about 50 feet away is where my daughter has you know, swung in the trees. Uh, there's a thing called Go Ape, which is a kind of up-in-the-trees adventure place for kids. And it, it is weird to be doing all the things that I was doing in the film, <laughs> which I won't, you know, give any spoilers, but just literally a, a minute away from uh, where my daughter's done, you know, a zipline through the trees in Morgan Park. But growing up, you were talking about, you know, heroes as well and, and people you look up to. And, yeah, you know, was Richard Gere one of those people? Uh, I can't say he was, to uh-huh. be honest. I mean, you know, obviously I, I I grew up with him being the kind of number one... Heartthrob in That's the world, it, yeah, I suppose, yeah. So uh, not, not uh, his is sort of similar to people like um, Robert Redford, maybe maybe not quite so much Paul Newman, but, you know, people who were just film stars. They were film stars. And their acting style didn't necessarily jump out at you as great acting to be... To, to begin with mm. and then people who I've come to appreciate more and more as I've got older as being genuinely brilliant actors um but they had a kind of ease about them and a charm about them I suppose that um that wasn't uh, drawing attention to the acting so much um and so as time has gone on I've sort of come to appreciate what they did in those kind of classic films when I was growing up more and more and um I suppose watching uh um you know uh, work that Richard did with Terence Malick and yeah, yeah. You know, people like that. You start to say, "Oh, I see, you know, you're you're serious." Yeah. And then and then working with him on on this film, Norman that uh, uh, that's coming out now. Uh, I uh, the first day when I went there to to uh, to 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 do my first scene on it, and I hadn't met Richard before that. And you oh, do it, okay. you know you get to do a little rehearsal. Yeah, 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 You know, a bit of rehearsing before you you you, you shoot the scene, and you could, I could just tell this was. Was a guy who was in the zone. You know, sometimes you just you just see it. You know, like characters that are just perfectly formed, and you realize that this person is totally in this character, and it is, it's just something special about it. Um, and I could tell that that's what was going on with him in this film. And uh, I think he's remarkable in it. It's a really remarkable performance for someone mm. who has been known for being so charming, and uh, it's he is charming, but in a totally different way he is likable but in a totally different yeah, way to what yeah. you've ever seen him do before um I I, I just yeah I, I I buy what he's selling in
0: it. he's in a really interesting uh spot in his career he's doing films like this and arbitrage and mm. uh, time out of mind which are completely I wouldn't say Richard gere esque yeah. characters not people you think of and I think he's he's aging very well on yeah. screen in that way he's taking different roles and trying different things yeah
4: he's you know he's becoming a character actor yeah um it's interesting that you know I've people have described me as character actor, Michael Sheen, and you kind of go, is that a bit of a put-down?
3: <laughs>
4: well, how do I feel about that? Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, a lot of actors who become that kind of heartthrob leading man, like Brad Pitt, Johnny Depp, um, Richard, Richard, I suppose, as well, you know, you can see that they're actually character actors yeah. who, who are struggling against the leading man thing. You know, you look at Brad in something like 12 Monkeys, you know, I think he's fantastic in that. Mm. And really, you know, he, he takes risks as an actor when he's able to. Um, and, you know, and in the Tarantino stuff as well, I suppose. You know, you can see him pushing against what he would normally be cast as. And, you know, Johnny Depp has done that all his career, really, yeah. I suppose. And uh, uh, and it is interesting when actors get, you know, in order to, 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 to maintain, to reach and maintain a level of success in your career and all the sort of choice that comes with that... You do have to limit your choice in other ways, i suppose you know for for people like that for for people who are who are doing what they've done that must be that must be difficult in just as an actor i mean you know it's mm. not difficult in other ways <laughs> but it must be difficult as an actor if if you genuinely want to play take risks and and have fun with characters and and not do just straight down the line kind of stuff yeah then um it's i suppose you you do have to Make a choice. It's not a choice I've ever had to make, to be honest. But I suppose you do have to make a choice that, you know, do I want to be a, be playing in the Premiership League? Yeah, yeah, But, yeah. you know, always doing the same kind of thing? Yeah. Or do I want to be, uh, you know, maybe I move down a division, um, but I get to do all kinds of really interesting stuff and I'm, I'm much happier as an actor. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That must be tough for him. But I think be. Richard is definitely coming into a point now where he is really you know, doing all kinds of different stuff. You know, I've, I thought it was fantastic when uh, when Ian McAllen had got to a point where clearly he had done everything he'd wanted to do and was like, right, now I want to do Coronation Street. Well, now I want to do a panto. Now I want to be on a... You know, like that's just so liberating and exhilarating yeah. to see someone just kind of going, I, I, you know, I've got nothing to prove. Yeah, precisely. Now I'm just going to do the stuff that I really enjoy doing.
0: It's amazing. And and now that Masters of Sex has, uh, has finished... Mm what's next for you are you planning to do more films? Are you looking for another TV show or are you going to do coronation street a panto a Shakespeare app are you going to follow them in
4: McKillan's yeah way? well a bit of that I mean I suppose a bit of that um i I've, I've, I've got to a point in my in my life and in my career i suppose where I'm sort of you know having a bit of a, a shift now a focus where mm-hmm. you know i've I've spent a lot of time in in the u s over the last sort of fifteen years because my daughter has grown up there. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to be an integral part of my daughter's life. So I had to go and live over there and, and, mm-hmm. um, uh, and now, you know, and I've come back and forth a lot and, but that's had obviously a big effect on, on my life and my, on my career and it's gone well, you know, um, it's been great. Um, and I'm glad it's worked out, but, um, but it's not what I would have ever have planned really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, and so now she's 18 and she's going off to college and, um, so that's opening all kinds of doors for me now, really. Um, you know, I'm, I'm able to come back here now mm-hmm. um, and uh, focus on, on my life over here a lot more, which is great. Um, but also, the stuff I've been doing over the last sort of six, seven years has become more and more personal, I suppose, and uh, uh, and and more um, connected to the community that I've come from, and, and that's... Led me now to wanting to do less acting (laughs) and more sort of direct stuff in in the community that I come from and uh, and get involved in 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 that kind of stuff more so so now I'm sort of trying to find a new balance in my life Mm. where you know a lot of the kind of leverage that I have in doing the other stuff comes because of Of the the work I've done as an actor so you know I'm not gonna it would be it would be counterproductive for me to let that go. But I think it's going to support the other stuff now rather than the other way around. And, and so I've got to try and find a balance where I've got enough time to be able to do the stuff that, I, that I'm that i really focused on doing now. Um, but at the same time, keep my hand in with things <laughs> so that uh, you know, it, it gives me the, the leverage. You must have loved having to put out the fires last year when people mis- misinterpreted your comments about... Acting and well, back it here. wasn't a misinterpretation. The problem with newspapers <coughs> are that um, the the person you do the interview with doesn't get to choose what the headline is, true. and the, and so they can just make up whatever they want in the headline. Of course, that's the thing that, that gets people's attention. That's why they do it. So when someone just makes up a headline that is not true, yeah. then it doesn't matter what it says in the article. Yeah, the thing that people remember is is that. So yeah, so me going off to fight Nazis in Patelbert was slightly <laughs> overstated. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, so the, the truth is, like I say, that it's, it, there's a shift and, yeah. you know, I'm trying to find a, a, a different kind of balance and it's going to take a while to do that. And, um, uh, and, uh, yeah, but my, my interest is in, is going in, in a different direction now. Uh, so is directing still on the agenda for you? I hope so. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a big commitment. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, that's, you know, turning up to do a bit of acting is one thing, but, yeah. you know, when you've written and directed, and you're going to direct something, then that is years of, of your life. Um So I, ho- I hope it is. Yeah, you know, I've I've been writing a bit for the last few years, and um, and I've really wanted to to direct um, something as well. Although it was the writing that was the thing that really drew me to it, and uh, and then once I'd written the script, uh, I realised that I'd. You know, I'd written what I was seeing in my head so mm. much, and I thought, I don't really want to give this to anyone else now. Oh, really? Okay. I want to do this myself, and, and this um, is a Green River Killer. I was, it? yeah, Green River Killer, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, so I, uh, so I really hope that I, I do get the opportunity to to do that. But it's, yeah, it's a long, it's a long old commitment. It's a big commitment,
0: especially if you're writing, directing, acting in it as well. Well, Would that, that, that is the
4: plan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, and also I, I am very. From the very beginning of working on on that um when I was doing the research and and all that kind of stuff I am very very torn by you know there's a lot of stuff out there about serial killers and you know that thing of, of uh, the idea of creating an entertainment based on people's suffering i've i'm I'm very against mm. to be honest mm. um and uh, or, or certainly very conflicted about um and the idea of somehow. You know, creating a kind of roller coaster ride for people based on uh, exploiting people's pain and suffering. I, 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 I do, I have very, very ambiguous feelings about it, and, um, and I completely understand why why people sort of get very, very concerned about it and very angry about it and so I've been really torn by that from the b- okay. beginning of the project yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think it, it, you do have a real responsibility if you're going to enter that area um, in how you portray it and what you're really doing and what why you're doing it and that kind of stuff so um, it, it, it is something that I, I think about a lot all the time and um, and when you p- put that next to also the time commitment and, and and just how difficult it is to get anything made, to be honest. Oh, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean that's what I'm <laughs> realizing more and more. So uh, so we'll see what happens. But I I hope it does work out. I do. I wish you all the best. Yeah. And uh, and are you keeping an eye still on what Tony Blair is up to, just in case? Well, there's a whole new chapter, isn't there, coming up? It certainly is. Um, is he going to return to the the actual fray of, of politics? Um, uh, I, I mean I, I can't honestly see myself doing <laughs> I think that's a trilogy that's done um, but uh, you, you know, know never say never you never say never be,
0: that would be intriguing but we mm. shall see uh, Michael Sheen I will let you go thank you so much indeed it's been a pleasure cheers thank you the lovely Michael Sheen there and
1: uh, now it is time to talk about this week's movie news what's been happening uh, well me. David Harbour was, was talking a bit more about his Hellboy Okay. which uh, which uh, uh, interests me because I, I think and uh, uh, I'm going to shock you again. Can I shock you again? Yes, I really like the sound of this new Hellboy. I know it's not Guillermo <laughs> and I know it's not Ron, but mm-hmm. I think David Harbour's is really good casting. Yes,
0: he is. He is good
1: casting. Did you see the picture this week that uh, Patton Oswalt exactly. That's uh, nice. Yes. With
0: him with uh, Ron Perlman and David Harbour? So if there was indeed any
1: hatchet to bury, the, the, the hatchet has been buried, yeah. which, is, which is good. Good old Patton. Yeah, yeah, bringing people together. That's what I like. That's all I like. But yeah, no, I just kind of I've I, I've been watching this one interestingly because uh, Neil Marshall uh, is is obviously directing it, mm-hmm. and um, you know he's he's uh, his, his film The Descent is was one of my favourite films of 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 the noughties. What do we call them now? The Naughties.
2: Naughties. The Aughts.
1: The, the zeroes. I mean, the it's all awful. We do say "naughties," fine. So it's one of my favourite films of the naughties. <laughs> so I think he's a really good choice for it as well. Uh, and of course, I've been loving his work on Game of Thrones. Uh, but yeah, no, David Hubbard was just, just, just you know, talking a little bit more about it. I think he's very excited about it and uh, was uh, comparing it with his character in Stranger Things. Funnily enough. Oh really? Yeah, talking about him being an anti-hero and comparing him with Chief Hopper, a kind Ooh. of a kind of you know, he's not a do-gooder, but he ends up doing good. Um, which it kind of reassured me further but I think physically he's got yeah. well literally the chops to do it big big hellboy chops yes indeed so yeah there we go exciting yeah. exciting times I'm excited about that
0: um, it is a shame obviously that Guillermo's not directed it but
1: hey, on what are you, you going to do Chris? what, what are you going to do? what can what we you do about it? I don't know
0: we can crowdfund uh, a fan fiction film yeah directed by Guillermo De Toro yeah but not call it Hellboy because of rights issues. But We okay. could call it Bell Yes, <laughs> yes, Dan, that's, that's exactly what we'll call it. Yes. The most
2: Dan suggestion ever.
1: Angel Girl. Angel Girl. Angel Girl. Yeah. There we go. No, yes. no, one, no one will suspect, no one will see that one coming. She comes down from heaven and yes. she fights, um, I don't know, babies. <laughs> 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 the deadliest foes. Yes. <laughs> evil
0: uh, babies or just or just babies. Yeah. Uh right. So that's that's that. One tick, boom, done. Uh, Terry, anything happening in your world
2: this yes. week? Yes. So I was super excited about um this Michael B Jordan and uh, Ryan Coogler project, which Ooh. will be their fourth time together. I think it was something I think Coogler was um interviewed in the New York Times and kind of um basically dropped um a little bit of information about it's called Wrong Answer. Now, obviously, these guys have done um, Creed together. They are still shooting, I believe, Black Panther mm-hmm. at the moment, which I recently went on set of. What? Just, drop, just dropping that, guys. Let, let it rest. <laughs> um, Freeville Station and, and wrong answer. It's a little bit of a departure for them. So it's about a real-life um, school cheating scandal. Mm-hmm. Michael B. Jordan plays an Atlanta school teacher who basically helps uh, students cheat And they were kind of uh, charged and faced a long time in prison. So it's not necessarily what you'd expect from these two guys next. But I think their their partnership clearly works and is really, really exciting. I I think he's a really interesting filmmaker. Um, And I think obviously him and Michael B. Jordan have an amazing alchemy together. I think Creed kind of really showed a completely different um, take on that franchise from a completely new actor, a completely new director gave it complete new life so I have a, a great deal of faith in, in anything they do so no date on this, no idea of when it's coming but mm.
0: I'm excited Does this mean that Creed 2 or Rocky 8 is not going to happen? Gosh. It feels that way doesn't it? It feels like it may yeah. have
1: just slightly Perhaps they're going to wait for, for him to get really old What, Michael B. Jordan? Yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it'll be like the other end of the scale. So he and then he'll be really old, and he'll have another. He has to train outside. a yeah. hundred and thirty-year-old Rocky to get back in the ring. <laughs> yes. One last time. That's it. Do
0: you think they'd
2: ever kill Rocky off and then?
0: Oh. I oh know. I uh,
2: know. I had to go there, but can you imagine? Like the next film is is he's died. Sorry, I'm just going. I'm going with this now. Right. Rocky's died, and it's about him Creed taking on not just his father's legacy. Yeah as a fighter but Rocky's legacy. Put yeah. those two things together and you've got the best film ever.
1: Absolutely. I I, I like the sound of that. And would, would he, Rocky, could, he could fight babies. Would Rocky be a ghost? Like like a forced ghost that would would appear and
2: Oh, that would be amazing. Could yeah. could also Adrian be a ghost because and actually if we're going to if just bring them all back, Paulie, <laughs> Paulie, Adrian, like let's bring the whole cast back as ghosts.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get, let's get on it. Okay. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Uh, can Ghost Rocky fight Mark Rylance? <laughs> and have, and finally, at the end, he defeats him and he picks up the Oscar that should have been
1: his and he holds it aloft. I mean... Sorry, you, you you think it should have been Stallone's? It should have been Stallone's, yes. Not, not Rylance's? No. <laughs> and I'd say that to Rylance's face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Next time you see yeah. him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You I, might I'd, get a chance I'd when Conca
0: comes around. I'd poke off that stupid pork pie hat of his, I'd, knock it, ground, I'd <laughs> knock it to the ground. I'd knock it to the ground. I'd say, Oi, Rylance, give that Oscar to Stallone, mate. I'm very, very sorry, sir.
2: <laughs> I, and when it let comes me, to pork pie hats.
0: Let me replace your hat.
2: Like that's a I'm not saying you wear a pork pie, but there's a lot no. of pork pie going on in that scenario. Pie,
0: yeah. There's a lot of pork pie, yeah. a lot of pork pie going on
2: in that scenario.
0: <laughs> What's <laughs> <happening>? <laughs>
1: There's a lot of poor pie going on in that scenario.
0: <laughs> oh, I can see the tweets now. <laughs> Helen O'Hara has left the Empire podcast for one week and people are doing weird accents and threatening <laughs> Mark Rylance physical violence. <laughs> yeah rhymes. Rhymes.
2: And killing off Rocky.
0: A history of violence. Oh, there you go. My oh, my God. Feature go. headline. It's all happening. It's all happening. Uh, yes. Yes. Ghost Stallone versus <laughs> Ryland yeah. I'm I'm bang up for that. Um, Tom Cruise announced last week that Top Gun Two is still uh, on his to-do list, along with you know being just awesome. Uh, he's going to do Top Gun, and it's called
1: Maverick. Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Maverick. Yeah. What do we think about this? Is this I, I, is I, exciting? I, I don't know. He just he just seems to just be playing Maverick in most films anyway. Still, so yeah. No, but really,
2: yeah. In there is there are shades of it in the mummy, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, so, it's, I don't know. I mean, what's the story here? I mean, what was the story in Top Gun? Hmm. He, um... Can you
0: remember? <laughs> I watched this movie uh, from my sick bed on the sofa this
1: week. And yes. so I, w- I faded in and out of consciousness. Yeah. No, I don't remember. No. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe the uh, numbers of young men joining the American Air Force has dropped sufficiently that they need another advert. Perhaps that's what it is. Yes, yes.
2: Well, he'll, he'll now be one of the trainers, I presume, right? And he was, you know, always railing against that authority and the legacy of his father who he never knew and viper and how he knew his, like all of that you presume he would have gone to the other side and he there will be much as as I imagine like creed there would be a young pilot who he's mentoring and trying to
0: mm-hmm. get mm-hmm.
2: to toe the line and save the world at the same time
0: is maverick a ghost in this maverick's
2: a ghost <laughs> <laughs> baby all fighting films ghost just with ghosts <laughs>
0: uh i i don't know i don't know about this one i'm uh, I, I i'm i'm not sure they should go back to that well I think maybe should leave a leave well alone. Um, and if they were to remake or uh, sequelize a Cruise film from the mid eighties, then, then why not the Color of Money? Hey, eh? eh? hey, mm. have another hustler movie in the in that franchise. Um, so,
1: who would you cast as the Tom Cruise role if Tom Cruise is in the Paul Newman role? Peter Ebden. He's a snooker
0: player. Okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dan, there's some good news this week for you. Ooh, this week, ooh, yeah. Oh, what is it, Chris? Terry Gilliam has finally wrapped filming
1: on the Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Oh yes, that's exciting, isn't it? Oh yes, it's happening. I mean, um, it's really. It, although there was that kind of that joke that he deleted it by accident. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> went, no, just, uh, yeah. just just a joke, yeah, guys. Just he, a joke. He deleted it off his hard drive oh, my uh, word. by accident. Um, yeah, it's. I still can't quite believe it's real, um, mm. but it's interesting because it's 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 a different. It is a different film. It is a different film to the. the How original. do you know, Dan? Um, I'm not sure. I can say. Yeah, mm. but, but uh, if you were to know someone who had been said that, Dan... uh, yeah, I mean, if I knew someone who knew something about this film. Mm-hmm. Um then then yeah it's 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 moved on it's a new script and it's a really interesting kind of a twist on the original idea. Wow. Um and uh yeah so I'm I'm really intrigued and uh Adam Driver as well in the lead role that was once kind of Johnny Depp but it's kind of a different role now. Okay. Um I think that's that's very enticing casting. Who's, who's the old fella? Um well you see that is now Jonathan Price. No, who, of course, was Sam Lowry in Brazil? Yes, um, and and has worked with Terry a few times. Um, but uh, yeah, so Jonathan Price is now Quixote, Aviato, <laughs> Quixote. Um, so yes, uh, so he's 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 Quixote, which is which is great. But I mean, it's crazy the number of people that nearly played Quixote. I mean, Michael Palin was going to do it, Robert Duvall was going to do it. Right. obviously Jean Rochefort was the original one, and they all come through. I thought we'd end up. I mean, Terry playing Quixote himself. There you go, there you go. And in a way he is, Quixote, and he always ah. has been. It's a shame that you weren't on set and don't know anything about this movie. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, thank God you know someone who was. I know, That's exactly, I this say. is the thing. I, I, am, I am on the inside track of the person on the inside track. Yeah. Speaking of Tom
0: Cruise, uh, not that we were, but we were five minutes ago, uh, the American Made trailer came out this week, and uh, I thought it looks really fun. It looks really interesting and unusual. This is the Doug Lyman directed film about a man called Barry Seal, who was a gunrunner and drug smuggler involved with the CIA and Pablo Escobar's Medellin car- cartel in the 1980s. Uh, look up his Wikipedia entry if you want to spoil the film for yourself. But this looks like a a uh, very much in-your-face, comedic, irreverent retelling of a mm. very interesting life. What, what did we make of it?
2: I, th- I first saw a little bit of footage from this probably about 18 months ago now. And I was... Really taken aback by it we 'd heard very little about it it 's Cruz as kind of you 've never seen him and obviously we know he has kind of levity and certain so, i 'm sure we 'll get onto that soon when we 're talking about the the mummy but he um, he 's really great and there's a touch of inherent vice about it visually um really interesting story about this this you know this real life guy. I'm, I'm actually really excited for this film. And when I first saw the footage, I was really excited because I felt like I hadn't seen Tom Cruise play quite this character before. And we've seen a lot of kind of similarities with a lot of the action stuff he's been doing recently. And this felt like such a departure and such an interesting story. And we've actually got some um, an interview with Doug Landman in the next issue of Empire where he talks about how him and Tom actually prepared for this film. And they, they kind of went spectacularly hands, hands on. You'll have to get the next issue to see what I'm talking about but they really kind of threw themselves into it in terms of um, mm. a little bit of method for this film. So I think it, it looks really, really great, and I can't wait to actually see it. Has it been dated yet? It's September, right? Uh,
0: around then, yeah. yeah. August, I think, actually, is when it's coming out. So that's all very, very exciting. Uh, news this week as well. Uh, I've vaguely comic book-related movie stuff. Uh, James Mangold, director of Logan, is going to direct a, an English-language remake of Disorder, which is based in the 2015 Thriller, we starred Matthias Schoenertz and Diane Kruger. Uh, I don't know whether he's going to do that after The Force, which is his, ostensibly his next movie as well. It's exciting. And uh, news, of course, Wonder Woman did incredibly well at the box office uh, worldwide uh, last weekend. Made 100 million in his opening weekend, uh, which is great. Um, intrigued to see how it's holding up. But this week it's doing very, very well at the box office with, with really, really great daily uh, intakes. Um, uh, so... News came in this week that Robin Wright as Antiope, uh, last seen, of course, on Themyscira in Wonder Woman, is going to show up in uh, in Justice League, (sighs) along with maybe a couple of other people, including uh, Connie Nielsen. Uh, So we might see some of the Amazons again. How do we we feel about that? How is that going to work? Uh, I'm not going to give any spoilers for film, but how is it going to work? Uh, And uh, are we excited?
2: so excited. Mm-hmm. We talked about this on the spoiler special, yes, the indeed. Wonder Woman spoiler special, but the they were the fa- one of my favorite parts of Wonder Woman, the whole uh, first kind of half an hour on help me say it, Chris. Help Ther- me say th- Themyscira. Themyscira, the- um, Themyscira. Themyscira was some of my favorite bits of the film. I thought she was spectacular especially. Um but yeah, how is that going to work? I don't know how it's, it's going to work. hurting my brain.
0: Yeah, it's going it's it's very intriguing I don't know whether it's going to be flashbacks or whether she's going to show up in the modern day who knows it's all very very exciting what I do hope is that we get another amazing pointing scene <laughs> uh, I forgot to talk about this in the podcast the spoiler a special podcast but my fa- I think my favourite thing about Wonder Woman is a scene right at the beginning uh, where there's a training montage on Themyscira and Robin Wright just wanders over to her second in command and they just pointed things for what seems like 45 seconds uh, they-, they just pointed something oh, what about her yes she is good Train her harder. Yes, I will. I will train her harder. Thank you, General Robin Wright. Um, and it's just—it's one of those bits where you can imagine Patty Jenkins going, "Look, um, this is not going to be in the film, Robin. But if you just go over and and point at something, we'll we'll put it in later on. But you're pointing at and just say something just to get us through. And then they were running short, and they went, "Shit, we have to put it in, Alex." <laughs> anyway, it's great, great bit of sequence. Oh, she's more, great. she just gave pointed. so much
2: heart to Wonder Woman so much emotion in Wonder Woman. Um, so I just, yeah, I'll take flashbacks, I'll take reincarnation, you know, I'll take rebirth, whatever's going,
0: really. <laughs> whatever's happening, it's all good. Maybe it's she's all good. the baddie. Uh-oh! Dun-dun-dun!
3: <gasps> no!
0: <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. Maybe she's fighting babies as a ghost. Oh, that yes. seems to be the, the way everything's happening these days. Uh, right, so... Uh, I will point out as well, as we talked about it, the Wonder Woman spoiler special should be up by the time you're listening to this. Uh, we listened to you guys. As you know, we have a a code that we follow here in the podcast that we don't get to talk to the director of a movie. We don't do a spoiler special. Uh, but obviously, Patty Jenkins was unable to come to the UK for this. So that was special circumstance number one. Special circumstance number two, you guys asked for a spoiler special with just us talking about it. So that's what you're going to get. Um, and <laughs> you're welcome. And be careful what you wish for. Uh, that is out now as well so do listen to that. And our Mummy spoiler special is going to be up on Monday or Tuesday with uh, the writer and director Alex Kurtzman talking about that as well. Uh, right, time now for our second guest this week. Uh, she is an Oscar winning actress who just happens to have a movie out in the same week as the reboot of our 1999 blockbuster The Mummy. Now that is counterprogramming. She is of course the wonderful Rachel Fies who stars in this week's my cousin Rachel, based on the Daphne de Maurier novel. Uh, John Nugent went along to talk to her and be warned, uh, his mic kept cutting out. So you I'm calling her Nugent. But uh, Rachel Vice, absolutely stone-cold perfect. Amazing. But John Nugent, again. Abs- Off, Dan. Anyway, <laughs> here's Rachel Ice.
5: We are delighted to welcome to the Empire Podcast, Rachel Vice. How are you? Well, how are you? Yes, very good. Uh, we are here to talk about My Cousin Rachel, uh, which is uh, it's an adaptation of a Daphne du Maurier book. How, how would you describe it for someone who's not familiar with that sort of material?
3: Um, Daphne du Maurier writes, I hadn't actually read it before okay. I did this, but she writes very... Uh, uh real page turners like Hitchcock turned her one of her other books, Rebecca, into mm. a very famous film so they're they're dark gothic, suspenseful um uh, stories often with a really good twist so yeah there's she's she's got a good plot in her Daphne du Maurier, yeah
5: think. you you play a slightly mysterious character who's sort of grieving, but until the end, we don't really know her true intentions, I suppose. What's it like playing such an ambiguous character? How does that inform... Are you, are you sort of conscious of the audience's expectations?
3: I didn't know the extent to which um, the audience, as it turns out, so people have told me, are kind of searching her face for clues. Mm. Like you, as the audience go, you're the, you're a kind of Sherlock Holmes trying to figure out, well, did she or didn't she? I mean, is she a, uh, a manipulative femme fatale who's killed her husband and is poisoning this young man in order to steal his wealth? Or is she just a very misunderstood, quite radical woman who's very sexually liberated and the men around her in the 19th century are threatened by her, you know, sexual freedom and her um, disrespect for marriage or for, you know, the the idea perhaps she should earn her own living, shock horror, or um, not become a possession through marriage? And is she misunderstood? Um, And is she just vulnerable and seeking a safe harbour? Um, and trying to get over the death of her husband, whilst at the same time being very sexually liberated. So uh, it's whether you can handle handle that. Yeah. <laughs> can, yeah. You, can you handle a woman in mourning who's also sexually liberated? That's my question to you. <laughs> <laughs> or is she a guilty, evil poisoner which is her tea just you know good for you or is it uh, because she's like an early herbalist you know yes she's a homeopath yeah but i'm not saying i i decided which way if she was if she was good or evil but i didn't tell the director and he didn't want me to tell him he wanted it so it was a secret from him so yeah the audience seems to be arguing quite either they're not sure which sounds like you're ambivalent yeah Oh, some people are like she's definitely guilty, or people said no, she's completely innocent and totally misunderstood. So it's making people argue. Uh,
5: there's something quite powerful about this character in that she's she's very strong and independent, and and uh, in a, at a time when women often weren't strong and independent. Was that was that something that appealed to you?
3: Well, the book was written in the 1950s, mm. but set 100 years earlier. So yeah, she has it. It, it gives a kind of it's like an edgy edgy modern take on, on a classic um, period drama in that she's got quite modern ideas for her time. Yeah.
5: On, on the same day that uh, my cousin Rachel is out there's uh, a remake of The Mummy, which is obviously, you know, this is a, a franchise that, that you were in.
3: I had something to do with that uh, other franchise, yeah.
5: Uh, I mean, first of all, how does it feel to see a film that you were in being remade sort of a few, a few years later?
3: Uh, I don't mean I'll go and see it, and then yeah. and then we could talk about it, It'd be part of the conversation. I haven't seen it. I mean, it's up. You know, everything's up for grabs. People yeah. should still tell stories about whatever they want. I suppose. Yeah. yeah.
5: What's your? I mean, looking back now, what are your memories of, the, of that shoot? Because um, that was, I suppose, your first Hollywood breakthrough.
3: It was hot yes and the sandy and there were sandstorms and camel races it was an extraordinary experience and looking back on the films i i remain incredibly proud of them i think they're very escapist and entertaining and have, have a lot of charm i, I particularly like, like the first one um, yeah it was it was an amazing experience i mean none of us knew that we were going to be in a film that people would still be talking about Nearly twenty years later, but it's, re- it's it's it really stayed with people. I meet like new generations of kids growing up and teenagers who find it and love it, and it seems to yeah, it seems to really like touch people. So that's yeah. a lovely thing. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah.
5: I mean, a lot of actors are being snapped up by these big franchises like Marvel and, and Star Wars. Are, are those the sort of things that you would ever be interested in, or you, you tend to avoid that sort of
3: thing? I'm I'm not avoid I'm not avoiding anything. I'm just I'm just like reading what what uh, comes to me and then deciding. I'm not I haven't got I have got a rule book. No, yeah. There's no sort of big plan or anything. At all. No. I think anyone who tells you they've got one is uh either fibbing or, or deluded. I don't I don't know. I'm self-employed so things can only happen as they get written. I, I don't know what the future holds and even, yeah, it's not it's not like a job where you can see how the future's going to be. Sure i can't anyway maybe some people care i shouldn't have said people are deluded maybe they, maybe yeah. people have got it all worked out yeah. yeah
5: the reason i bring it up is just because your recent work you've gravitated to some really interesting directors and really interesting material like uh, the lobster for example is just a fascinating film and, and just really unique mm-hmm. um, what was that experience like what's it like working with
3: I just finished it, yeah, we just finished a film um, called The Favourite, which is set in um, England in 1708. It's new for him in that it's not a universe that he's completely made up in his imagination. It is about Queen Anne and the Duchess of Marlborough and young girl Abigail Masham, who comes to the court of Queen Anne, and it's a, it's a historical film, but yeah. with his own Yorgossian take on it.
5: yeah. So what, what is what is it like working in that Yorgosian style
3: thing? Not like anything else. Yeah. yeah, it's I you can't really put it into words. It's just different, very very different. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, it's not really explainable. It's just <laughs> Yorgosian. Mm-hmm.
5: and what, what else have you got sure.
3: um, the next film I've got coming out is called The Mercy which James Marsh directed with uh, um, opposite Colin Firth and it's the story of Donald Crowhurst who who was not a professional sailor who in the early 60s decided to sail around the world in a professional race um, it's a true story and then after that I did a film um, with the Chilean director Sebastian Lilo, he has a film out this year in Spanish called Fantastic Woman um, uh, and that's opposite uh, Rachel McAdams and Alessandro Novola. that's called Disobedience oh
5: well best of luck
3: okay thank you
0: okay time now for this week's reviews that was Rachel Vice. let's start with the movie that she's not in which is The Mummy Oh so, yes! This is, of course, the remake of the remake of the remake of the remake, uh, and this is about
1: the 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 big bloke with the bandages running around scaring people, right? Except it's not a bloke. What? No, no. You see, you you always thought it was weird that uh, an undead bloke would be called a mummy. Well, not anymore. Not okay. anymore. Um, no. So uh, so yes. Yeah, so this is this is the launch of the Dark Universe, as it's now called. And we're, we're certain of that, because it actually come, it says there's a whole ident for the dark universe now, isn't mm-hmm. there? The whole universal globe goes, and then oh. it goes dark, and then it says dark universe at the front. So Do, it's like, do, do, do they have someone going,
5: please? <laughs> so they
0: pop up with their fingers crossed, please going,
1: like it, please, please. Well, look, I think, uh, you know, you were joking, but actually, I was pleasantly surprised by this film. I mean, Ooh. it's it's hokey, uh, but it doesn't take itself too seriously at all. You just described yourself, Dan. Uh, thank you. I'm, 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 no, no. I was going to say I'm more cokey than hokey, but that would, that would, <laughs> that would be a very foolish thing to say. Wow. Um, so, so, yeah. because you put your left leg in, okay. your left leg out. Yeah. 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 Well, I do more of the shake it all about, really, to be honest. Um, I put my whole self in. Okay, Bye. Dan,
0: uh, let's talk about the mummy, which stars Thomas Cruz, Maplethor the fourth. That's correct. The
1: third, <laughs> isn't it? Fourth. Is he the fourth? He's, He's the, fourth, the, fourth the fourth already. The fourth. Wow, how time flies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He gave birth to himself. He was the third, but then he had a ghost bait anyway <laughs> yes, so, yes so yes it's, so it's actually good fun it's hokey fun it's kind of got a bit of the vibe of the you know the Brendan Fraser and Stephen Summers mummy movie it doesn't take itself too seriously A little mm-hmm. bit of a kind of uh, boys only kind of adventure thing especially near the start um, but uh, no they've gone 15 certificate with it so it has some stronger horror elements than you might have you might have expected. Um, so he plays Nick Morton, who is a long-range reconnaissance expert. And uh, he's also what he calls a liberator of precious antiquities. Right? I read he's a paramilitary archaeologist. No, he's not an archaeologist. No? No. no. Okay. Annabelle Wallace's character is the archaeologist here. Oh, okay. No, he's just a guy who's basically Bombing around Iraq, right, and wherever there's insurgents, kind of like laying waste to antiquities, he sort of clears the site and then he gets the antiquities out and then makes money out of it on the side. But unwittingly, he uncovers or discovers um, an ancient Egyptian tomb. What's that doing in Iraq? It's, it's in Iraq for a very good reason. Because what's in that tomb is so bad and evil and powerful that they didn't bury it in Egypt at all. They went all the way to Iraq and dumped it there. And oh it God. is Sophia Butella as Amarnet. <gasps> The mummy. And what she wants to do, because she's not dead, she wants to bring back the evil god of death, Set, who is actually the devil these days, except in her time he was known as Set. In order to do this, she needs a male vessel, okay, who will be the body into which this dark god will enter. In order to do that, she needs to stab this male with a magic dagger that has a magic stone in the top of it. Tom Cruise Uh is that vessel. Wow. Are you with me, Follow up. Uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah. sorry? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. That's, right. that's, a, that's so, a good old big slab of plot there. Yes, exactly. And that's not all of it. I mean, there's, okay, well, there's, I there's, there's two yeah. big slabs of exposition right at the start of the film. All right, but anyway, okay. um, so then it sort of turns into a chase thing where she's trying to get hold of Tom and trying to get him to, you know, basically be her vessel. Um, which has a kind of odd side effect of turning the film into a kind of strange sort of creepy stalker girlfriend movie. Um, which mm. was surprising. I wasn't expecting that. Okay. okay. Um, so yeah, and you liked it? It's it's good it's fun. Surprised. I mean, it's, it's look. You can pick holes in it. You can you know you can the, the 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 plot's nonsense, but it's good fun. It whips along at a nice pace. It's got some fun action in it. Mm. Tom is on buoyant form here. He's kind of like lots of grinning and and wisecracking. Um, so yeah, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It's one of those leave your brain at the door kind of films to use a cliche. Oh, okay, that's all films for me. Uh, Terry, what did you think?
2: So, I okay, so I think it's really <laughs> slick, really polished, actually, really funny um, at times. I think I laughed out loud four times, which is quite a rarity for me. Um, it's not that I'm dead inside, it's just it doesn't often come out of my mouth.
0: Oh, these were parts you were meant to laugh out loud? <laughs>
2: okay, yes. Okay, yeah. Oh, good. yes, yes, that's yes. <laughs> it's um, like someone
0: dying on screen and going, yeah.
2: however, it's fucking batshit crazy, right? So, it is full out there craziness there's a there's a a bit very near the beginning where you just have to suspend disbelief and once you've done that as Dan says it's actually quite enjoyable Mm. because it has a lovely levity and cruise is on actually really brilliant form and the action is great and it's actually I think there's going to be some division over the horror elements and whether it's scary enough because I think um, some people may feel the horror has been sacrificed at the expense of action, potentially. Mm -hmm. But there is one bit, um, and this isn't a spoiler, but just to say when she's, you know, becoming the mummy again or is coming out of the grave, which there is a sequence which I found genuinely really scary. And I have to say, Saffir Batella is incredible in this film. She has a physicality about her which means she's really magnificent at times on screen. There is very awkward stuff around kind of how fetishised she is for sure. I think that's kind of probably Mm -hmm. something that people are going to really pick up on um, and I think the other female character, um, Annabelle Wallace, who we've already mentioned, she's essentially like walking exposition. She's there to kind of, you know, just going to explain what this bit of the plot is about, that like you have no idea what's going on. And she's very plucky and blonde and blue-eyed. And so right. the w- women are very archetypal. If you know, an undead mummy who's seeking a vessel for the uh, uh, actualization of the root of all evil. So I think that the female characters are, are quite problematic and I think neither of them... Have much agency, and he is ultimately the vessel which she seeks, and she spends as dancer. She spends the entire thing chasing him around, and it is very much, you know, uh, this is never going to work out. Oh, stop, <laughs> stop stalking me! Stop stalking me, you crazy supernatural being! Um, so it's like a
0: really big budget version of It Follows, is it in a way? She's always turning up uh, wherever he goes. He, you know, he's on the he's on the bog, and it, there she is.
2: Kind of, but he's, she's in his head, and there's a bit where it's. I mean, and this is where you kind of do have to suspend disbelief because you you've suddenly got these this psychic disruption happening, and he's kind of part soothsayer. It's it's it becomes very weird very quickly, and at that point you go, I'm going to strap myself in and ride this one out, and and it is. I I had a very enjoyable time watching this film but it doesn't hold up to close examination there are mm. massive holes um, there are so, I came up with so many questions about well what does that mean and, and what does that mean obviously for the greater universe that they're clearly trying to build but I it suspect is, they don't know well, and, <laughs> that's, that's the, and that's the concern right but yeah. I think if you are looking for a kind of mindless romp in the cinema um, for two and a half hours then you, there are worse ways mm. to spend your money
1: How's Rusty Crowe? Well, yeah, they, he's, he's quite important to this whole Dark Universe thing, yes. actually. And um, I, I wasn't sure how spoilery this would be to mention, but he is actually listed in the cast as Dr. Jekyll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been out for months. So, you know, uh, there you go. Um, uh, but he is, is... I enjoyed him, actually. He's, I mean, again, you know, Cruz is having fun, and Crow's clearly having mm. fun. So he appears as Dr. Jekyll, Jekyll, who kind of is the boss of this super-secret organisation based under the Natural History Museum. Prodigium. Yes, exactly, and it's got the thing where Cruz walks through, and there's a jar with a Gillman hand in it, <laughs> and there's a jar with a vampire Dracula skull, Dracula monster skull, you know, and um, so, so yeah, yeah so and Kevin's going, "Please get me out of here."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: and, and they and they put all the, most of the exposition actually into, into Russell Crowe's mouth, except it's Doctor Doctor Jekyll saying, it. and when he's Doctor Jekyll, he's he's he's, ex- he's terribly posh, he's extremely posh, and then and then of course there's what? a little there's a little transformation, no. and he goes all oh, you know. Pork pie. <laughs> <laughs> pork pie scenario. There's a lot of pork pie happening in this podcast tonight. I like it, mate. But uh, it's, it's a really fun scene, actually. And actually, I, I, I call me shallow, but I got a bit of a thrill out seeing Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe sharing a scene and having a big old fight.
0: Who wouldn't? Yeah, you're not, you're not alive if you don't get a thrill from that. Yeah. Uh, three stars in for The Mummy. And uh, uh, Terry, I know you're a huge fan of Berlin Syndrome.
2: Tell us, tell us about am. that. Yes, yeah, so I saw this at Glasgow Film Festival back in February. Um, and it's Kate Shortland's third feature. And it's essentially the story of this Aussie traveller young woman um, who's in Berlin, starts off very kind of, it feels like a coming-of-age story. She's um, she's there, she's travelling around, she's doing it alone. And then she meets a, this dreamy teacher in the street. They share strawberries at a traffic c- crossing they go home together, back to his house. It's very important to say. They look at Klimt books. They, you know, it, it's all the kinds of trappings of a lovely hipster romance. Until after their one night stand, she wakes up and she's locked in his house. And it's only on the second day of being locked in his house. I don't know. Call me crazy. I'd probably notice on the first day that she realises that she's being held hostage. So it's it's in many ways, you know, it's not a novel setup in terms of, of cinema to have this female hostage story. But the way it's presented is actually really different because I think normally in these scenarios the um the roles are really clearly defined, which is very much a, a vulnerability and a victim status on the female side. Um the male characters are often very kind of typified, really kind of certain types of characters. This guy is a teacher, he's fairly handsome, Mm -hmm. and the great thing is you don't see it all from her point of view, so it moves out of the apartment she's being held, and you see the normality of his life, and he lives a banal, genteel, middle-class, lovely life in Berlin, and it's contrasted with her kind of being locked in their apartment, but also the kind of nuanced relationship they have between, you know... Is she truly a victim? At which point does she consent? Does she develop feelings for him? It 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 really delves into those grey areas. So
0: presumably the, the title is referenced to Stockholm syndrome and so Yes, way. that's yeah.
2: right. And Teresa, pa- and it, but it doesn't go as far as Stockholm syndrome, and that's what's great about it. Is it would have been easy to kind of paint a picture of a girl who falls in love with her captor, but Teresa Palmer, who who plays the lead, actually does it with such brilliant. Um, reservation that you can't even as an audience member really get inside where she is on the situation Mm. Um, I really love this film because of the nuance because of the grey areas Um, I think she puts in an amazing um, performance the psychological ambiguity is really interesting to me. The fact it's not really typical kind of uh, this weird um, male-female kind of dichotomy. There, Mm. There isn't that sense of it being a really straight down the line, black and white depiction of this kind of terrible situation. So I very much enjoyed this film. We gave it four stars mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, from Empire, and and yeah, it's 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 definitely out of Kate Shortland's films. She's done a couple before. I know Dan, you. Oh, I love Summer You loved Summer Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That's years ago now. Though, yeah. But, um, no, that that was that was a gorgeous film.
2: Yeah. And she's not known for kind of doing these big, easy mass market films. Mm. This is probably the most accessible out of her films yet. So if you haven't kind of experienced Kate Shortland before, this is probably Mm. a a good point in. Um, But yeah, definitely recommend.
0: Amazing. Fantastic. Four stars then for Berlin Syndrome. Um, And that is pretty much all the time we have to discuss this week's releases, I'm afraid. But I will say that uh, also out this week, obviously, is My Cousin Rachel. And we gave uh, three stars, uh, Rachel Weisz and Sam Claflin and uh, Roger Michelle directing. That's correct. Yes, indeed. Roger Mitchell or Roger Michel?
1: I would say Roger Michel. Correct. <laughs> uh, and also Roger out, Mitchell. Roger Mitchell.
2: Poor pie. <laughs> oh, dear God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and also out is uh, Wilson, the Woody Harrelson movie, which we gave... Three stars. too uh, Stuart Hazellian's *A Shack* uh, that got two stars, and then the Michael Sheen, Richard Gere film, uh, where we talked about earlier on *Norman*. Uh, that got four stars as well, and it is really, really good. So you should uh, you should check that out uh, also. And that's it for this week's Empire Podcast. Uh, join us next week for more film-related fun, where we'll be joined by, I think, if my calendar is correct, Lily Collins. Lily Collins will be here, which is all very, very exciting indeed. Uh, also look out for the Wonder Woman Sporter Special, which should be with you right now. Uh, and the Mummy Sporter Special coming to a crypt near you soon. Please do book tickets to see us live at the London Podcast Festival on September 16th. That'll be awesome. We'll have a very special guest. I hope. Uh, it's going to be very exciting. Until then, it's goodbye from Terry.
2: Goodbye.
0: It's goodbye from Dan. Farewell, sir. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to carefully, quietly, Gently replace Mark Rowlins' pork pie hat back in his head without him noticing. Very sorry about the pork pie, Mark. Didn't mean to knock it off your head, mate. Alright, thanks for this thing. Bye.